Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel that I, Paul, preached to you, which you received and in which you stand, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in, in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I, Paul, was persecuted. I persecuted the church, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. Take your seat. So glad that you are here tonight because one name is higher, one name is stronger, and one name is exalted overall, and that's why we're here, right? That's why we're here. The death and the resurrection of Christ. Now, odds are most of you have some level of familiarity. I think that's probably a pretty good odds bet for me to make tonight, that you have some familiarity with the death and the resurrection of Christ. Um, and in all of that, you are here out of admiration for that, some level of admiration, some level of knowledge. And I'll tell you, that's an interesting place to be because uh, it's said that admiration and familiarity are actually strangers, Admiration and familiarity are strangers. Why is that? Well, because one of the things about familiarity is familiarity oftentimes breeds apathy. And uh, so we're here together on this uh, Easter weekend together. And by the way, way to sing. I tell you, I am convinced it's not going to be quiet in heaven. <laughs> All right? So we're just getting ready for it, practicing. Um, but I have an interesting reality before me tonight because of our familiarity and our admiration um, how do I take us to a place in God's word that would help us to behold the power I mean if we're familiar with something how can we behold the power and the full work of Christ so I think it would be a good idea if I start by asking God to help us that'd be a good idea so let's do that right now Lord, we are here because you are great. And God, I realize in this room tonight and tomorrow morning that there are going to be people in all different places of their understanding and even in their relationship standing with you. And I just ask God tonight, as we're here together, that we would behold you. And we've heard the story of Christ dying on the, on the cross. We've heard the story of Christ rising from the dead. And I fear that that familiarity could cause us to not behold the grandness of you. So God, I pray for your presence here among us, in our minds, in our souls, God, that we would behold who you are. Because the truth of the matter is, you are far beyond what we can even begin to imagine and stretch that thinking in us tonight. In your name I pray, amen. 
let me kind of begin with my thesis statement for tonight. I'm kind of in school deal going on right now, so I'll start with some of that terminology. What's my thesis statement for tonight? Well, here it is. The resurrection of Christ is the greatest display of power in all the universe as the most powerful event in all of known history. I'm starting big. All right? The resurrection of Christ is the greatest display of power in all the universe as the most powerful event in all of known history. Pastor Doug, why the big deal about the power of the resurrection today? Well, because the resurrection, everything tips on it. Everything. And we're going to take a look at Scripture and see that. And one of the things I love about God's word is God's word is even willing to put out the premise of, hey, what if it didn't happen? What if it didn't take place? Then what? And so I want to invite you, open to 1 Corinthians 15, where I read when we uh, first began here up in God's Word. And 1 Corinthians 15, if you're using the Bible and behind one of the seats, I believe it's page 961. We're big about the Bible around here. We want to hear what God's Word has to say, not what I have to say. And so we're digging it. We work it. Man, it's just so cool to have it open on your lap and and it working in us. So let me begin. I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians 15. Let me start in verse 12. Very interesting. Listen to what God's word says. Verse 12, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. It says this, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if, I love this, but if, but if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. And if Christ was not raised from the dead, then our preaching, then our proclamation is in vain. And your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, they have perished. And if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. What an interesting statement. So according to God's word, if the resurrection of Christ did not take place, then there's a few things out on the table for us to consider. So if the resurrection of Christ did not take place, then what Paul is doing with his life is utterly worthless. It's totally a waste. Paul, just go home. Just pack it up. You should have stayed where you were at. You're on the fast road to wealth and power. You should have just stayed there then. Also, what we are doing is worthless. Because then our faith is futile or vain if that's the case. And he, Paul, and we are also misrepresenting God, if that's the case, if that really did not happen. And I don't think God would be too happy about that to be misrepresented. And by the way, all who have died are dead and done. In other words, there's no life after death. So that means that this life is the only life that you just live, die, and it's over, done, out, over, and it's futile. And I got to tell you, friends, I just can't believe that. This is it? Oh, I hope not. Let me sum it up in modern day terms. 
If Christ did not rise from the dead and yet we proclaim he rose from the dead and we hold that as the basis of our faith and coming to Christ through salvation, through the risen, crucified Christ, then if we're wrong, we're all saps. Let me even modernize that a little bit more. We've been punked. That's what it's really saying. Paul's saying, listen, if Christ did not raise from the dead, you've been punked. But look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. Because it says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. You know, it's like, hey, what if, what if, what if, what if? No, no, no. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And therefore, the death and the resurrection of Christ is without question the greatest display of power in all of known history and the most powerful event in all of the universe. And if you're still not buying my thesis, hang on with me. Because remember this, power is relative. Power is relative. What, in other words, put power next to power and let's see how it shapes up. Okay? So I think this is going to be really fun here. Let's put power next to power. Okay? Let's start really tiny. Let's go to the human body. I got to tell you, the human body is an amazing, amazing... I'm trying to think what... Body. <laughs> Sorry, man. it's Saturday night. I am so not used to preaching on Saturday nights. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Here, here's some things. Let, let, me, let me move. If you use volume as the metric, the human body contains about 15 trillion, trillion cells. Okay, but others say, no, no, no. If you estimate it by weight of cells and you estimate the average of that, it's about 70 trillion cells. And if you do it by density, then there's over 700 trillion cells in the body. And it's like, I don't know about you, but like those are huge numbers, but it's really bothering me. Like, can't someone figure out how many? And so some researchers have. And so what they did is they go by average body size and cell sizes and types actually are different sizes and so forth. And so they came down and they said, in the human average human body, there's 37.2 trillion cells. By the way, each cell, uh, majority of your cells, contain DNA. And in fact, contain two meters of DNA. That's right around six and a half feet if it's cut put end to end. DNA, carrier genetic information, you know what I'm talking about. If you take all the DNA in the human body and you put them all lined up, it'll go to the sun and back bunches of times. Some say 10, some say 100. But I'm like, you know what, one time's enough. (laughs) Right? I mean, a lot is a lot. Now consider this, the complexity of hearing. The complexity of the ear to hear and the brain to process all that is stunning. Consider smell and taste and walking. Consider the eyeball. Our daughter-in-law, her dad, an amazing man, amazing man, a physician, specialist physician, and it was actually later in life that he came to Christ as his Savior. Why? And talking with him, he said, when I got to the eyeball, I could not explain life without a God. The eyeball is so complex that God is in it. 
consider the ability of humans to think and emote and to make and create just to give birth. Amazing power. We're just getting started. Let's go a whole different direction with power. Money. Money. Al Pacino and Scarface. He said, uh, money, power, respect. Notice the order. Money, power, respect. By the way, money has kind of become our God in our world. Money does provide the opportunity to do things. Um, It's kind of like whoever has the most money wins. Money has power. Let's go a whole nother direction, you engineers. Let's go to Alcoa. They made a 50,000 ton forging press. 50,000 tons forging press. They built it in 1954. It's in Cleveland. Yeah, I geek out on this stuff. It's five stories tall. What the coolest part is, it's seven stories underneath it of foundation to be able to handle the pressure above. It's five stories tall, but it has to be seven stories foundation deep. It took over $100 million in the last decade to redo it. And there it is in Cleveland, punching away. 50,000 tons. Oh, bigger. In fact, ask me. Bigger. Come on. Bigger. Okay, since you asked. The Bell AZ 75710 dump truck. (laughs) Built in Belarus. Everybody's been there. Actually, I've been there. But uh, it has two 16-cylinder turbocharged diesel diesel engines at 2,300 horsepower each. That's 5,600 horsepower. By the way, you're like, I don't even know what that means. An indie car has anywhere from my, what I understand, I'm not a big car driver guy, but it's like 500 to 700 plus horsepower. This is 4,600. This thing could crush an indie car. <laughs> it weighs 400 tons. By the way, do you see the little person I kind of like silhouetted in there? That's how tall a person is under there. In that. This thing is awesome. It's 400 tons. It can carry 500 tons. Bad boy. (laughs) In fact, that means it could carry a Boeing 787. In fact, let's talk about a Boeing 787. I mean, these flying behemoths, they amaze me. I sometimes sit in my office and depending on the wind, they're coming into Indy Airport. Love it. Love it. Boeing 787 can carry over 33,000 gallons of fuel. How much is in your car? Oh, 20 to 25? (laughs) 33,000 gallons of fuel. Oh, by the way, the engines on it put out over 100,000 horsepower. Power. Bigger. Good, I'm glad you asked. F-35 Lightning Stealth Fighter. Max speed of 1.6 Mach. It could take out any of the previously noted power items, right? Could take all of them out. Okay, let's keep going. Bigger, the space shuttle. The space shuttle. 7 million pounds of thrust. Maximum of 37 million horsepower. Ride that dog. It can go 17,500 miles per hour. Okay, I'm glad you asked. Let's go bigger. Let's, like, let's go out of mechanics. Let's go like to nature, tornadoes. 
tornadoes can take out any of the prior power items, true? Could take them all out. They can create a path of destruction a quarter mile wide for up to 50 miles, bringing 100 to 500 miles per hour. Okay, a volcano produces lava at 1,300 to 2,200 degrees. Mount St. Helens in 1980, when it blew, released 24 megatons of thermal energy, which is equal to the power of 1,600 atom bombs like the one dropped on Hiroshima or Nagasaki. (laughs) Bigger hurricanes, Katrina. It was the largest, third strongest hurricane to hit the U.S., Max winds of 175 miles per hour. It hit 90,000 square miles of property, causing over 80 billion in property damage. But we can go bigger. Let's go off the earth. The sun. I know where this is going, and I love it. One out of about... 100 billion stars in our galaxy. 93 million miles away, surface temperature is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, That does the volcano in. By the way, the core temperature is estimated to be somewhere in 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. Sun puts out about 386 billion megawatts. What's that compared to? I don't know. That's a lot, right? <laughs> One million earths could fit inside the sun. Let's go bigger. Supernova. The explosion of a star. The energy generated is what our sun could produce in its estimated entire life. Some estimate a supernova occurs every second. The supernova's big brother is a hypernova. (laughs) The explosion of a star that's 30 or more times larger than our sun. And its, its explosion produces a black hole with immeasurable amounts of energy and releases millions times more light than all of the Milky Way stars combined. Let's go bigger. Mm-hmm. The universe. It expands 150 billion light years. But actually, the interesting thing is, is there's no center of the universe. Why? Because we don't know where it ends. It said that there's at least a billion trillion stars in the universe. One word summarizes these powers. Powerful. I'm just a normal guy. Don't have to get that high tech. Powerful, right? It's stunning. It's just mind-blowing power. But power is relative. Because now we've all gone all the way to the universe, coming back to like a dump truck. That bad boy's nothing in the whole thing. But there's another power. And it's the power of death and sin. And the power of death and sin impacts the entire universe. Entire universe. 
because of sin and the impact of that. And the reality is, is that the entire universe and everything that we've just talked about is powerless to death and sin. It can't do a single thing about it. It can't change it. It can't alter it. It can't wipe it out. No power of the human mind or capacity of a human capacity or, or the DNA can, can defeat sin. No amount of money can buy anyone's out, anyone's ways out of spiritual death and sin. No forged press can crush it out. No dump truck, airliner, or space shuttle can carry it away. And there is no stealth fighter that can shoot it down dead. There's no tornado, volcano, or hurricane that can destroy death or sin. No sun or no star in our galaxy can burn it up. No supernova or even its big bro hypernova can implode death and sin or suck it into a black hole. There is no power in the entire physical universe that can swallow up sin or provide victory over death. All are powerless, but power is relative. And there is a power. And there is a power that can and has taken out death and sin. And that power is the power of Jesus Christ. Crucified on the cross, risen from the grave, booyah over it all. And by the way, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, for by him, Jesus Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him he holds all things together. Take the dump truck, the airplane, the fighter, the shuttle, the sun, the stars, the galaxy, the universe, the whatever novas, and he's got them all. And he created them all. And they're all for his glory, right? That's our God. And loved ones, that's why on Resurrection Weekend, the display of the power of Jesus Christ in overcoming death and sin is the greatest, most powerful, most magnificent work of power ever. And therefore, chapter 15, verse 54, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the most eternally destructive power in all of the universe, death, sin, and Satan, has been conquered by Jesus Christ. Amen. And friends, this is where our familiarity just needs to like go out the window. Because this is so much bigger than familiarity. This needs to be reminded in us all the time of who our God is. Death is swallowed up in victory. Loved ones, 
behold the power. Loved ones, behold the power of Christ. But I want to note the text doesn't stop here. There's another verse that's really important. End of chapter 15, verse uh, 58. What's the first word there? Therefore. What's therefore, therefore? Well, it's, it's there because of a result of what's just been said. So, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us victory through your Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, out of that truth, therefore, my beloved brothers, therefore, my beloved sisters, there's three results of the power of the resurrection. Okay, here you go. If you have your sermon notes out, these are the time to write them down. Three results of the power of the resurrection. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, therefore, my beloved sisters, be steadfast. Be steadfast. Result number one, be seated. Wait, I thought it was steadfast. Okay, the Greek word actually was used for the concept of saying be seated. That was what the word was used for. Uh, so literally, it means to be seated. Think about it. Whether, in, by the way, New International Version, I think they use standing firm in that. And so, but, but, but it's this idea of, hey, listen, as a result of the fact that Christ has conquered death, Sit down on the whole issue and just be seated. Just be seated. Be settled on that. Hey, if you know Christ as your Savior, if you understand that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, is through Christ. If you have received Christ as your Savior, Know this, on the whole issue of death and resurrection and the afterlife, be seated on it. Just take a seat on it. Why take a seat? Because you don't have to be like, that was a theological expression there. Uh, True? Just be seated on it. Oh, by the way, yeah, yeah, but, 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 but Doug, Wait a second here. But how do I know? Behold the power of the one who provides your salvation. Hey, he's bigger than a dump truck. He's bigger than a press. He's bigger than a tornado. He's bigger than the earth. He's bigger than the sun. He's bigger than the universe. He created them all, if you will, in it. Trust me. He can take hold and hold you. So just be seated on it in his power. Oh, by the way, look at the next word. The result number two, immovable. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, immovable. This actually is building off of the first one. Immovable carries this idea of be motionless. It's like, it's, it's, dual, it's dually on it. It's saying, hey, be seated and don't be nervous. Be seated and motionless. Why? Because, oh, death, where is your sting? He's got it. If you know Christ as your Savior, on the whole issue of your security in Christ for your salvation, just be seated and be motionless. He's got it. 
third result. This is interesting in light of those two. Always be abounding in the work of the Lord. That's interesting. By the way, it's, it's not, I work for the Lord here and there. It's not the idea of I work for the Lord after he does something I want him to do for me. It's not I work for the Lord when it's convenient for me and when I most prefer doing what I want to do. Listen, we've been studying as a church. We've been going through a good parts, a significant part of Corinthians, and, and that, that would describe them. But that's not what we're to be like. Instead, it's, it's being about the work of the Lord, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because all of life is the Lord's and all of life is for his glory. And now, now think about it. He's, he's just said, be seated and be motionless. But it's like, now he says, get to work. It's this idea of, hey, when it comes to understanding the resurrection and the afterlife, if you know Christ is your savior, be seated on the issue. Be motionless about that. He's got it. Oh, and by the way, don't just kick it back kick it out. Get to work. Like the work of the Lord. Not earning your salvation. Not earning God's favor. Listen, the Lord that is the Lord of it all that we just talked about loves you. Listen, he loves you. All of the power of the grandness of Jesus Christ, he loves you. Crazy, crazy cool. And out of that, it's like, oh my word, I like want to do something of value. I like want to do something of worthwhileness. And there's nothing more worthwhile than being able to bring glory to the one who is the power of all powers, right? I mean, listen, listen, this whole idea, if you're bored with Jesus Christ, behold the power. If you're like not all, all that impressed with Jesus Christ, I just implore you, go into God's word, see who he is, and hopefully today is even a little bit of push for you. Oh my word! That is our God. And that is why we can be settled on the issue of the resurrection because in Christ he's got it. It's his work, not mine. And we get to work for him. It doesn't matter if you are a, an important CEO or politician or jobless. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. You can be the child of the God of the universe and bring him glory. Like, let's go for that. Oh, Doug, working for the Lord is hard. Yeah, actually, it is. It is. And Paul notes a final thing here. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Because aren't there times where you're like, man, dude, this is hard stuff. 
This is just, I'm tired of enduring. I'm tired of the trials of life. I'm tired of living in this spiritual war zone before we see Christ face to face. I'm just tired. I'm just worn. I'm just exhausted from it all. Amen? Amen. We get it. Know this, friend. It is not all in vain. It is not all in vain. It is worth it. Hey, if uh, Christ is not risen from the dead, it's just time to go home. Close up shop, lock the doors, turn the AC off, and just live to die. But I have I, I just personal story. I just don't buy it. There's more. And when I read from God's word about a God like this, oh my, face down, I want to serve that God, knowing that it's not in vain. If Christ has risen from the dead, if Christ has conquered death and sin, then what we are looking at and talking about this weekend is the greatest display in all of the universe. Do you see? So when you and I struggle wondering, can he really redeem me? Can he really forgive me? Can he really love you? Is he really in control of this crazy world? Hey, behold the power. And he's got it. And it may not make sense to you and I at times, but he is a lot bigger. Amen? Amen. And so, Lord, we're going to try and leave it there. Lord willing, awed by you, stretched by you, moved by you, being able to see you bigger for who you are. Oh, God, you are the king of the universe. You are the one that has conquered death and sin. And it is you that we adore. Because in fact, Christ has risen from the dead. And so in light of that fact, for the person that knows Christ as their Savior, they can be motionless, seated, calmed, because the power of the living God holds their salvation. And yet, God, I might pray, if there's anyone in this room this evening, who is just at a place to where it's like, man, this, I, this is just not settled for me. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. Oh, God, I pray that they would ask, that they would talk with someone when they came or come and talk to one of us about how can I know that I know that I know that the power of God has redeemed and saved me. And God, I pray that out of who you are, it would just fire us up to be able to work for you. God, I pray for the, for the man, for the woman in this room who maybe they're just tired and, and they're just persevering and yet they're worn and they're struggling and they're just wondering if they can make it. Oh God, I pray that even tonight would be a time of encouragement for them. It's worth it, brother. It's worth it, sister. 
Our labor is not in vain. God, you are not here for our every beckoning. We are here for yours. Because you are the God of the universe that is far beyond what we can even imagine or think. The reality is that when it comes to death and sin and Satan, you have the final word. Because you are the conquering king. Amen. Amen.